Yo, 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 what's up, Block B? I'm Uri. And I'm Harry. And we are very pleased to present to you our passion project in the form of a musical podcast. Today we'll be dissecting Pitchfork's top 200 album of the decade list. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as we enjoyed making it. So, to kick off this list, we're going to start at number 117 with Death Grips and their album, The Money Store. Released in 2012 on a, the Epic Records label, um, it was one of the first industrial hip-hop albums we've ever seen. Wouldn't you think so, Harry? Like a, I really mm-hmm. couldn't think of anything that would come before it. The beauty of the album is it's truly revolutionary when it creates its own sound. There has not been an album before it that has had the same chaotic and manic energy emanating off of it, yet still having such precise and, uh, I don't know, um, intentional uh, aggression. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Like, I describe it, especially when we look at the lyricism, it's, it's definitely poetic when you look at the lyrics without their music, yet... A little bit twisted, especially when you mix it with the production, which is very heavy, very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the, the backing tracks are done uh, in, in, with live, real-time instrumentation by uh, Zach Hill, which is the, the leading drummer for Death Grips and one of their visionaries. And Andy Morin, which is their keyboardist and all-around producer. And uh, MC Ride just complements this aggressive production with just chilling lyrics and overall uh, just an energy-packed listen. And it's, it's great because it's a critical masterpiece in the sense that the lyrics are talking about, as the name might imply, it's talking about consumerism in America. But I'd say it's also like a, a big pump up song. Like I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, it's it's not the typical idea of a pump up song. The average person won't go into this thinking, "God, I feel great listening to this." But once it clicks, once it once one of it the greatest gets feelings going. in music I've ever had when mm-hmm. Death Grips has clicked. Yeah, so that's great. Big ups to Pitchfork for including it one seventeen, in my opinion and. Yeah, I, I think it should be higher. Like for me, this is top fifty at least. I could see why you would say that, except it makes sense having it here because it is such a hard album to get into. Uh, thinking of all the other albums that people can uh, get into and listen to, it, it would be hard to put it higher because it's just it, it's in difficult category. That's true, and with this Pitchfork list, we can kind of see as well with other albums that we're going to be talking about later on is that they're really weighing accessibility with quality sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More a little bit heavier than others. Especially with Danny Brown, but we'll, we'll get into We'll it. get to that. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next album we're going to talk about is... Uh, Pitchfork has this at 73 and of it, the decade. And it is Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B, which came out in 2018. This album sold pretty well, so you might have heard of it before. Yeah, it's uh, also by Cardi B, so <laughs> y- you you already kind of have an idea of 
who <laughs> and what this album is going to be like. And uh, back when this came out in 2018, uh, Pitchfork gave this a rating of 8.7, which is quite high on the Pitchfork scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And above other albums that were obviously more meriting of an 8.7 score. Mm-hmm. That made a lot of headlines. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't just Pitchfork that praised this album. Yeah, no, the, the Grammys actually, uh, they, they decided to give the Grammy for best rap album to Cardi B. Surprisingly, beating out Mac Miller with Swimming, which is just an amazing album. Last uh, which, album before he died. It, it, it is flawed, and I will, will say that, but overall, I definitely, <laughs> I think it's safe to say it's a lot better critically than Invasion of Privacy. And so is the other frontrunner that was nominated for Rap Album of the Year, Daytona by Pusha T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that a one... Masterclass in gangster rap. It was such a raw album, but uh, we shouldn't really devolve into talking about that. Yeah, it just shows you actually a lot about the album Invasion of Privacy, that when we're supposed to be talking about the album, we're talking about other albums. Yeah, it's... Because... It, it was... Uh, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> crass pop rap yeah. with no substance at all, actually. It, it really makes you question, does Cardi B really have a soul when it comes to <laughs> making music? <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm not going to lie. I first heard I Like It, and I thought that was a pretty bumping track. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was bumping. Mm-hmm. It was bumping. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I will say about this album that what it did well was it gave a uh, a new approach to females within the rap game because even right now there's still not much of a uh, a demographic yeah, of women. It, it sh- showed like a, usually females in rap and hip hop are traditionally not as confident and not as uh, braggadocious, right? Mm-hmm. And Cardi B really pushed all that to his side, so that was. That was, I'd say, a positive that came out of this album. And it's not that this album is necessarily really bad. It's just... It's just not good. It's just not... It's extremely mediocre album with a couple highs and a lot of lows. And it just pains me most when people praise albums like these. Like, Mm -hmm. this gets a no from me, Pitchfork. Sorry, Mr. Pitchfork. (laughs) (laughs) It gets a no. Okay, so up next, a bit of a change of pace here. Uh, the 68 spot is um, an album by Flying Lotus called uh, Cosmogramma, released in 2010, so the start of the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I know you really like this album, Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. You really um, like Flying Lotus in general. Flying Lotus, he, um, he manages to revitalize jazz in a way that it's not boring. Because mm-hmm. many people have tried to bring jazz back and have failed. Uh, except I would say Flying Lotus has managed to keep the spirit alive, except still have it as its own identity and not just be able to like throw it into the grand scheme of jazz. Because it has many aspects of modern music, such as hip-hop or trap at some times. And even having uh, rappers come on at some points to accompany him. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons why we put 
um, the psalm and Flung Lotus on the list because, I mean, you look at it from maybe 1975 to like late 2000s, right up until Cosmogramma came out, and avant-garde jazz, like real innovative jazz as a genre was pretty much dead, unfortunately. Like its heyday had gone, but here comes Flying Lotus, a previously unknown artist out of Los Angeles, and uh, he just gives something we, we, again, we'd never heard it before. Mm-hmm. It, it was a fresh take on such an old, rudimentary uh, genre. And he really kind of started, well, he's still the leading, one of the leading jazz revivalists of the 21st century, along mm-hmm. with uh, Kamasi Washington. Yeah. Or uh, And Thundercat. Thundercat even. as well. All from the Los Angeles area, which is interesting to note. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, especially when most people look at an instrumental or mostly instrumental album, like Cosmogramma is, uh, it takes a different approach to listen to an album like that and to kind of critically review it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like you can look at the lyrics because yeah. there are none. Or not none, but and not so much. <laughs> if we're looking for like emotional depth or um, uh, specific inclusion by the artist... We really need to look into the sounds and the, mm-hmm. the different instruments because this is what really makes up the music. And mm-hmm. I did a bit of research. Obviously, I, I didn't just hear this first time, but um, obviously this album is live sampling and instrumentation, which is pretty rare for a hip-hop fusion of any sort. And that takes a lot of skill. And one of the things that uh, someone remarked was that he put an ode to his great aunt, uh, Alice Coltrane. Yes, Flying Lotus is a member of the Coltrane family. Um, and he put uh, an ode to Alice Coltrane with an electric jazz harp in some of the interludes sprinkled throughout the album. I think that's a really cool per- personal touch because it's calling back mm-hmm. to his roots yeah. and it's calling back to jazz's roots as a whole. Because mm-hmm. Alice Coltrane, she was a very prominent member in the jazz community back in the 70s. Yeah. And, and continuing on all the way up to two thousands, even but crazy, amazing, talented family. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so just big ups to Pitchfork for having this on there. Mm-hmm. Really recommend listening to this while you're doing math homework or something. I really <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, fantastic it, album. Mm-hmm. Give it a listen. Up next, sitting at sixty three, uh, is Triple X by Danny Brown, released in twenty eleven. This album came out on the Fool's Gold record label. Yeah, his, uh, his major label it, debut. It was his first uh, proper debut coming off of a record label. Yeah, at the ripe old age of 30, which is also shown in the um, the album uh, name itself as Triple X in Roman numerals uh, does translate to 30. Mm-hmm. And the album cover depicts kind of a manga-ish character. Yeah. Uh sticking out their tongue with a pill on it, presumably a Xanax pill, mm-hmm. with three X's stamped across. So it, the triple X here in the, the title represents both his age and his addiction to Xanax at the time. Yes. Which continues to be a prevalent theme throughout Danny's career. Mm-hmm. Like, addiction. This guy's addicted to a lot of drugs, pretty yeah. much. Uh, but this is a kind of a classic... I wouldn't say classic. It's kind of... He shows his influences a bit, but it's definitely a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. It is 
its own entity as an album. This is classic underground stuff, but in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. Like classic underdog as well. Like Danny's coming out out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. He's an older guy, but yeah, he's coming out with a new voice. A fresh take on hip hop. Fresh take on hip hop. Yeah, and it's just great to listen to, and it's interesting that Pitchfork is going to include this one here at sixty three, which is probably where I would include it in the in a decade list. Mm-hmm. But we scoured the list and we did not find his two thousand sixteen uh, masterpiece, Atrocity Exhibition. Mm-hmm. Which is far and away and widely accepted as one of the greatest hip-hop records of yeah. all time. It's almost like Triple uh, X is... I, I mean, it really... It, it came before Atrocity Exhibition. And it makes sense... Uh, it's definitely on, a lot more accessible. It, it makes sense why it's a lot lighter uh, compared to Atrocity Exhibition. Like, Atrocity Exhibition was uh, produced by Paul White, who produced the majority of the band Joy Division's uh, really experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you were to just listen to an instrumental version of Triple X, you would think, oh, these are hip-hop beats. But if you were to listen to an instrumental version of Atrocity Exhibition, you wouldn't know what to think. It's like, such a manic album as a whole. Uh, it, it's very similar to The Money Store by Death Grips, in a way, because... It's just both albums have such an in-your-face presence to them. It's it's so hard to... Uh, you can just really feel his pain, you know? Like, the mm-hmm. whole entire Atrocity Exhibition album is about the... He's hit rock bottom. Yeah. And as much as I love Atrocity Exhibition, obviously not because he's in pain, mm. um, but I do realize and I do understand that without Triple X... Atrocity Exhibition would never have existed. And it's probably the most pivotal moment in his discography mm-hmm. because it sets the stage. And yeah. we can kind of see, even from the get-go with Triple X, that Danny has a dual personality. He can act normal on the surface, mm-hmm. and he can act like he's having a fun time. He can act like the biggest party animal in the world, and that's what the, his fans want him to act, right? They mm-hmm. see him as this guy who takes Molly... And he goes on ragers, and he has a funny laugh, and he has his mm. crazy teeth, right? Yeah. And a funny haircut. And he's just in for the fun time. But down below, is this weird, really weird guy, yeah. this tormented soul. Yeah. And it's just building up towards Atrocity Exhibition, and it finally comes out. And aside from that, Triple X, I don't think I'm talking about how much I love this album. Mm-hmm. Like... There's just I I saw Danny Brown live in October, and it just goes so hard. Oh yeah, no it's it is a very entertaining album, except you have to be in the right mood for it. You can't just like go into this blind and like be ready to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm. There's some vulgarity mm-hmm. for sure, but once I listen to Danny, even just a little bit, I realize the vulgarity is there for a purpose, mm-hmm. and the vulgarity isn't vulgar, just for the for the sake of being vulgar, right? Mm-hmm. It's there because this is his life and he lives it. Mm-hmm. He is <coughs> living true to what he's putting out. Yeah. It feels like this is Detroit. Yeah. No, he's This is addiction. It, this, it's, is, this is triple X. Yeah. 
finally, as we're beginning to wrap this podcast up uh, and this this list revision up, the impulse is to scroll down to the top ten, to the top five albums, and uh, we see some really recognizable and big names mm-hmm. in, in this this top five. For example, like we have Beyonce. Mm-hmm. We have Kendrick Lamar, Kanye, uh, Solange, and we have Frank Ocean. And the two albums that we really want to profile here is the album that Pitchfork says the best album of the last 10 years, which would be Blonde by Frank Ocean, released in 2016. Mm-hmm. And we also want to profile uh, what... Pitchfork thinks is the fourth best album of the decade, which is To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, released in 2015. Yeah. Uh, many people would say that uh, these two albums would go, I mean, at the top of the list, which they are, uh, because they are just so groundbreaking in their own ways. To Pimp a Butterfly was such a... You recently listened to it for the first yeah. time through. So. I, I Yeah, no, I... I listened to it for the first time the whole way through, only like two months ago. Uh, and having it as a whole album, not just single songs, in the context of one whole piece, uh, changes my or changed my perspective on it. It really ties it all together through poetry, uh, which they slowly build throughout the entire album. A uh, spoken word poem that yeah. Kendrick wrote on a 2014 visit to South Africa, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And how it slowly builds up bar by bar throughout the entire album. Uh, and it's, it's, all, it's all a metaphor for the, uh, the caterpillar, which is the African-American, mm-hmm. and breaking out of its, mm-hmm. except, its supposed ugly shape. It, it has that, except it also has... Uh, the the true beauty behind it is it can be interpreted in many ways because yeah. you can also see it as the change between right and wrong and what certain people will do at certain times. A lot of the uh, album is talking about moral choices and doing the right thing uh, except also accepting that you won't always do the right thing. Because having making the correct moral decision is getting increasingly hard for African-American people Mm -hmm. in America, especially in Compton, where Kendrick currently lives and he grew up there. Um, And I just think it's, I mean, kind of getting off a little bit, but that just shows you how great of an album this is. Personally, I think it's top three albums of all time, all genres. Mm -hmm. And I would strongly argue uh, for it over Blonde. Uh, I believe I would argue over it too, because... Uh, even though Blonde was also such a great album. Extremely emotional and mm-hmm. heartfelt. It just didn't have... It doesn't this... have the same scope. You know? yeah, yeah, it it didn't... The songs on it were all great. Except as an album as a whole, it does not necessarily tie in as well as To Pimp a Butterfly. And yeah, and it just goes to show that me and Harry's criteria is similar. And that we can view music critically um, the same way and we can agree on points and disagree on others and understand why mm-hmm. uh, the other disagrees but here's in my opinion where the point that music cannot be purely objective anymore because 
I know many people that could make a perfectly good argument for Blonde over to Pimp a Butterfly because they have different sets of criteria and they have there's so much room for interpretation in music and that's mm-hmm. what I love about music. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a, truly a form really. of art which is just left up to anyone to decide what is good and what is not. Which is great because it speaks to the each and every human soul in a unique way. Mm-hmm. Which I think is amazing and not many things in this world mm-hmm. can really do that. Yeah, nothing has that much scope as like... Or there's not many other mediums that have the same kind of scope as music does and how it can affect people in different ways. And music has definitely changed me as a person and made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can say the same oh, about yeah. yourself. And I, it's just a great thing to be passionate about. It's something that you could connect with everyone and discuss with everyone. Mm-hmm. And my, my message to you, our listeners, is to really see how far you can push the boundaries of connection through this art form. And maybe listen to the five, six albums that we talked about today and form your own opinions. Mm-hmm. And question yourself, why do I think these opinions are important and mm-hmm. why are they necessary? Yeah. And it really helps you find who you are as a person and how you think and mm-hmm. also how you interpret the world. Yeah. Which is a great thing in my opinion. So mm-hmm. get out there. Yeah. Listen to that music. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.